The Doctor is In is a co-production of Bobby Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. How are you, sir? This is Pierre. Oh. I can't believe I'm talking to you, Dr. A. the Great. Oh, I don't know about that. I love listening to you. You have a personality just like my father. I don't think you should feel helpless. You are helpless. Doctor, I really appreciate that. That makes me feel a lot better. You be at peace, or else I'm going to yell at you. I'm trying to find a reason to speak to you. I think you're the best thing since plays bread. That Ray, he's something. Thank you so much for what you're doing for all the parents out there. They don't know what I can possibly do. I don't either. I'm getting my money worth, I think, with this phone call. Now, from the studios of Living Bread Radio Network in Canton, Ohio, the hometown of Mother Angelica, here's Dr. Ray. Not once does he say the hometown of Dr. Ray. Not once. I've been listening to this guy say that. Steve Clark, our engineer over at Ave. I'm waiting. It is a hometown, Mother Angelica. She went to St. Anthony's. St. Anthony's is the Italian Catholic parish on the southeast end of town. It's where all the Italians clumped together. We used to have three-day festivals at St. Anthony's. They were big deals. The community just kind of headed there. It was so, so very cool. And you have little snapshot memories. I remember my grandfather winning a little tray. little tin tray. Could probably cost then eight cents. Of course, then for a dollar you could buy a truck. But I was so excited. I was nine years old and I just thought, Papa won something. And I was so enthused about telling Mamo. That's what I called my grandmother, Mamo. At St. Anthony's. And now that I think about it, well, Mother Angelica is definitely older than me. She's not older than Teresa Tamio, but she's older than me. And uh, she was probably, let's see, at that time I was nine. She had already probably entered her novitiate, I would think. At St. Anthony's, and at that time, she was just a young girl that uh, went to St. Anthony's. That's the way it was. You just never know. Just got this. This is a wonderful quote. This is one of the best quotes I've come across. It was by a nun, a sister T from Daughters of St. Paul. If the world hates you because of Jesus, that's okay. If they hate Jesus because of you, that's a problem. That's a good one. That is really a good one. Best give out the number. 877-573-7825-877-57. As, as in variety, diversity, huh? D-E-I here. 877-57. Equal. You notice that? That is that is true. you got 57, which is Heinz Variety, 57 Variety. Those of you old enough to remember those commercials. And equal, which is we're all just equal here no matter what. I can run as fast as you. You can run as fast as me. I'm as tall as you. You're as tall as me. You can spell as good as I can. I can spell as good as you can. We're all just the same. And don't anybody ever say anybody has any more talents or abilities or less than anybody else because the self-image just doesn't allow it. How's that for a brief rant? 87757 equal. I was proud of myself, my culinary abilities. I would tell my wife, 
I can cook breakfast. I can make toast. When I first started, I wasn't real good at it. My toast had bones in it, but uh, got to the point over the years that I was pretty good at making toast. Pushed down the little lever on our toast. I think it was a model 1922 given to me from my great-great-grandmother. I kept it. Still worked. I couldn't tell how it was going to toast and stuff. You know, it was all black around the edges, and then in the middle it was soft. But it was an heirloom. But I knew it, and I understood it. Me and the toaster were one. Be the bread. And I'd push down the little lever, and they had a little knob. That's they. They had a little knob. Who's they? The toaster had a little knob that you could dial what color toast you wanted. I could handle that. This past Christmas, my daughter bought Mom and Pop a new toaster. It was a digital toaster. I'm still learning all the stuff it does, and I'm nervous about it because I think if I push the wrong buttons, it's going to launch a nuclear warhead. But it has this thing you have to press with your finger, and it has this, I guess, little insignia that means it's on. It doesn't say on, doesn't say off. It just kind of looks like it's on. Okay, so it lights up. And then, if it lights up, it has a whole bunch of numbers. And you have to figure out what the numbers mean, because I don't know what the numbers mean, because you can't dial a number that says it's brown or it's less brown or it's dark or it's burnt. I just don't know. But I'm learning. Uh, Back in Christmas, my daughter gave me an instruction manual for the toaster. And today, oh, the interesting thing about this toaster, too, that I might want to mention, is that after you toast a slice of bread, or after it toasts a slice of bread, I don't actually toast it, it then shuts off. I I don't know, guess it's to save electricity or something. I want to suck up the rainforest with my toaster. And then I have to push the little light button, and then the numbers light up. And I can't see the numbers because I don't have my reading glasses on, but... But I just kind of aim at the middle, which I think is supposed to be where the toast would be where I would like it. After about four or five slices of toast this morning, I said to my wife, I don't like this toaster. This toaster frustrates me. And she laughed. She said, Ray, this is a, a first world struggle? You're frustrated over a toaster? And I got to thinking about it. Now, don't get upset with me because I overanalyze. Do you think I overanalyze? I don't know. I've thought about whether I overanalyze. and Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. I think a lot of it depends upon... Okay, never mind. I wonder how many times during the day I get frustrated over something really, really stupid. And then, wait, here's the takeaway. And then that tiny little frustration sets in motion an attitude. An attitude of, life should go the way I want it. And if it doesn't, I'm going to be upset or angry or distressed or depressed. I see this particularly in young people. 
They didn't have to grow up on a farm, getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning and milking cows and walking to school and having really only a couple of outfits to wear. No, no, we've created a very comfortable existence. And a comfortable existence makes you less able to deal with uncomfortable existence. And those uncomfortable existence are, are oftentimes this tiny little things like a toaster. I thought about that. Somebody says, I'm having a bad day. And I want to ask them, what's bad about your day? Are you ill? Did somebody you love die? Did you get a car wreck? Did you get fired? Do you have some kind of serious condition that's now afflicting you? No. Most of the time when people say, I'm having a bad day, what they're saying is, I had seven frustrations today. And if you would ask what those frustrations were, you would find they're not very big. They're my toaster. The fact that I got in my car and the heater didn't work. I have a 2002 Buick and the heater mower doesn't, motor doesn't go. So you know what happens? And I have to, I have to live with this. It blows the heat, but it, it takes longer for the heat to get in my car. Shouldn't have to exist like this. I thought about that. We get frustrated so easily because we get frustrated so easily. Am I brilliant or what? Little tiny things that we don't like the way that that happened accumulate. And they make us more vulnerable to getting upset over little stuff. This radio show operates on technology. It certainly doesn't operate on talent, but it operates on technology. Now, there have been times when I've come in here and there's been some glitch in the technology, whether it's local, whether it's a network level, whatever it is. And sometimes that glitch actually makes the show not go. Hey, how's, that? how's that for articulate, huh? Makes the show not go. Sounds like one of my kids when they were five. Or me when I was 35. Now, how much am I going to let that bug me? Okay, it happened. Is it going to reverberate for the next hour and a half as I drive home and say, I didn't get to do the show today, honey. I'm just upset. I think if you want to get frustrated and upset, find big stuff to get upset about. Not my digital toaster. 877-573-573. Seven eight two five. Today's programming on 990 WTEO is brought to you in part by a gift from our day sponsor. The annual Rose Mass for Catholic Healthcare Workers celebrated by Bishop Boyer will be at 4.30 p.m. Saturday, March 9th at St. Thomas in Ann Arbor, followed by a reception in the parish hall. Karen Bussey, director of the Mother Teresa House, will speak on redemptive suffering. Suggested free will donation is $20. RSVP at cmalansing at gmail.com. That's cmalansing at gmail.com. This week on Christ is the Answer, it's the season of Lent, and Father John wants to help us prepare for Easter. Let's start out with a question. What are you doing to prepare for Lent? 
The church has so many faithful ways for us to traverse this season of fasting so that we can get the most out of prayer and penance. Join us this week as Father John wants to help us get the most out of Lent, as well as how Jesus wants us to pray. Tune in for Christ is the Answer, Monday through Fridays at 11 a.m. on Ave Maria Radio. Ave Maria Radio invites you to feast on the joy of fasting this Lenten season and all year long. Fast from complaining. Feast on appreciation. Fast from negatives. Feast on affirmatives. Fast from unrelenting pleasures. Feast on unceasing prayer. Fasting is a part of true Christian life. It liberates us from this world as we grow closer to Christ. Greetings, brothers in Christ. I'm Bishop Earl Boyer, inviting you to the Accept the Challenge Catholic Men's Conference on March 16th at the Gervin Game Above Center in Ypsilanti. We've lined up incredible nationally renowned speakers, Justin Fatika, Doug Barry, and our very own Father Joe Krupp. There will also be Mass, Confessions, and a wide variety of Catholic ministries to help you grow as a man of God. Visit acceptthechallenge.org to register today. Hey, you know another frustration? <clears throat> the garbage man woke me up today. Oh, I can't say garbage man. Garbage person. Garbage people. Garbage humans. I can't say humans because it's got man in it. Garbage you people. Woke me up. Four o'clock. You hear it banging? And I thought about that. I said, why do they collect up garbage so early? It's not a rush. The garbage is not going to go bad again. Anyway, for over 40 years, now how's this for a segue, huh? EWTN has been praying with and for people all about the world. That's true. 40 years. Can you imagine the millions of prayers that the folks at EWTN have sent out? Well, today, EWTN wants to pray for anything that weighs on your heart. Family members, health, finances. They consider it an honor to pray for you. So, if you wish, you can take a moment, send EWTN your prayer request at, and I'm, I'm hesitant to say this, this sounds kind of violent, EWTN.com slash prayer. Well, EWTN.com forward slash prayer takes a little bit of the bite out of it. It's a lot of prayers. And they got a lot of faithful people there. As St. James says, the prayer of a righteous man avails much. Steve, Texas, called before the show. Now, that makes me actually feel obligated toward you, Steve. You call before the show. I'm thinking, all right, I better, I better go to Steve. And that's, I'd be kind of disrespectful if I didn't. How are you? I'm great. How are you, Dr. Ray? Good, sir. Your turn. Okay. All right. Well, I'll just go right into it. I, I called early because I had it on my mind. I needed to call and see if I can get in today. Uh, my son is 18. He graduated high school last year. Um, in September of this year, he and his uh, girlfriend broke up. She is now a junior in high school. And uh, um, like I said, they had broken up. And they've stayed friends. And this last weekend, her mother died unexpectedly. And she doesn't have a dad in the picture at all. So she's she's alone. 
she has some friends that are taking her in. Um, my son has been leaned on in the small community we live in to be there for her, to get her through this tough time as one Who, of the main anchors. Who's leaning on him, Stephen? Who's leaning? Yeah, you said your son uh, has been leaned on. Oh, yes. For the his ex-girlfriend. They said, you're the only one that can console her. You're the only one that can seem to make her happy, which is one of the reasons why they had to break up is because she, uh, it was hard for her to be happy, and it was always something that it was his job to do. And he didn't no, want he to broke play up, that role. He broke up with her. Yes. Okay. That's significant and here. That's significant in his role to be able to comfort her. Yes, and I'd asked him, uh, we had just been on a men's retreat this weekend, uh, the weekend that we heard the news of her mother, and he was seeking God's wisdom in this and what to do, because uh, he was thinking about getting back together, and I said, well, by the end of the weekend, hopefully you'll have some clarity and and you'll understand where you need to go. Well, before the weekend was over at that retreat, we got the news and we rushed back so he could uh, be here, you know, in town for her. Um, and question is, Dr. Ray, is uh, I've asked him to set up some boundaries so that as she's vulnerable uh, during this time, they don't become boyfriend-girlfriend again. He, well, you, Stephen, you just, said, you just said that she, he was going to get back with her. He was thinking about it. Was he motivated because it. he figures she's in tragedy and therefore his presence would be comforting? Is is that was that the main motive to get back together with her? No, uh, we didn't find out about the tragedy until after he told me that the day before, and so so this happened right as he was getting some spiritual strength and trying to get his his. Uh, his vision clear about what to do and how, how to look for a you know, woman for potential well, marriage. One let let me things. jump in here, Stephen. Let me jump in here. Why would he have to get his vision cleared about what to do? On one hand, if he's saying we had a very unpleasant relationship because I couldn't keep her quote-unquote happy, and now she's gone through a crisis, and if I re-enter the scene that somehow that's going to stabilize her emotionally. Is that what he's wrestling with? I think he, first of all, wants to be a friend at a time that she's in need. And he had been playing around with the idea, well, tossing around the idea of getting back because he still had feelings for her. Here's she the problem, Stephen. Here's the I'll problem. Be, go ahead. All right, hold on. The problem is he comes in as a friend she doesn't want him as a friend she wants him more than that so yes, you're right if he enters the scene she could read that as we're back together and then he'll re-break up with her again four months from now or however long it takes and now you got that on top of whatever it is she's dealing with with her mother's death That's i would right. suggest he be real careful about heading back that way, and if he does, he makes it real clear 
and, and given that she's not going to take it that way, but that as best he can, he makes it real clear that I'm here to help you. I'm here to talk with you. I'm here to provide some friend support. But don't overread this. He has had that conversation with her, and she understands, but I don't know that either of them really are going to be able to toe that line. Well, and he's got a risk. Because if his main motive is to go back with her because of this tragedy, I don't know how long that can sustain things. Again, I don't know. I don't know your son. I don't know the girlfriend. So I'm just firing off stuff in the dark here. But it's delicate. I best, the best thing you it can is. do is to tell him what the risks are. And if he goes ahead and does this, he's going to find out. And she's going to find out whether, in fact, this relationship is, can progress on mature, solid ground, or whether, in fact, they'll just pick up where they left off and they'll break up again. But I really think what it's unfair. The, I think it's unfair for people around him to, to say, you need to go in there and comfort her. That's unfair. On one hand, if he says, yes, I want to go in and comfort her because I'm hurting for her. I had a history with her. I have feelings with her. Yeah, she needs me to come in, and however I can help her, I can. That's one thing. But it's quite another for other people to say, you need to go do this. That's putting that 18-year-old kid in a, in a real bind here because he's not a counselor. Right. I felt the same way. Okay. We are on the same page. That's because we're both grown-ups. So make <laughs> well, that clear to your son. Faith and, yeah. Yeah. Good. Make that clear to your son, Stephen, and then if he goes ahead and does it, uh, all I would say is so be ready to pick up any pieces. What could he do to prevent that? How could he be there for but can't. Then he can't. not send the wrong he can't progress. He can't prevent it because he can't control how she's going to view it. He can tell her. He can say, we're not getting back together again. I just hurt for you because you meant something to me. He could say that. But if she is clinging to some kind of hope that, good, you're back in my life again, he, he can't, I don't think it's possible for him to say anything that'll make her think otherwise. She'll, she'll cling to the hope. There's the risk. Got to run, my friend. Indeed. Coming up on break. I appreciate the call, though. Thank you. Robert San Antonio, uh, he called yesterday, and he is going to repeat verbatim something that I speculated about that the catechism said. Robert, you got about a minute and a half. Your question was, what about this music at church? Uh, why has some of it uh, kind of moved toward uh, what some people would say more folk-type music? And did the catechism talk about that? And I said, yes, the catechism would say that music has to contribute to the proper reverence and solemnity of the Mass. So, you got a quote there, Robert? Yes, from uh, Vatican II documents, from Sacrosanctum Concilium, number 116. <clears throat> and uh, before, it's just two sentences. Before I quote it, let me ask the listeners to get a pencil and paper if they're interested in this, because I've got a good book to recommend. Okay, precisely translated, Sacrosanctum Concilium 116 reads, <clears throat> The Church acknowledges Gregorian chant as characteristically belonging to the Roman liturgy, with the result that, other things being equal, in liturgical actions, Gregorian chant should hold the first place. But other kinds of sacred music, 
especially polyphony, are by no means excluded from liturgical celebrations so long as they accord with the spirit of the liturgical action. There you go. Yeah, it's not, as I said, it, this kind of music isn't uh, prohibited, but certain types of music have a higher status in instruction. Thank you, Robert. 877-573-7825. Heading up to Detroit tonight, Legatus. And then over the weekend, if you go to my website, I'm out west. Tacoma, Seattle, Coeur d'Alene. Uh, three different gigs. Uh, if you're in that area, we know we have a big uh, big affiliate in Seattle. Check the website, the, the speaking schedule, and you'll get the contact number. You know, one of my frustrations, I, I constantly walk into a room, into the kitchen, and I forget why I'm in there. But I think the answer is in the refrigerator. It's true. I just go to the refrigerator, I open it up, look in there, and think, well, the answer that I came into this kitchen is somewhere in this refrigerator. Uh, Viviana, what a pretty name, from uh, Georgia. Hi, Viviana, how are you? Hi, good news. Thanks for the call. Thank you. You're up. You're up. You're the big star, okay. not me. You're the big star. <laughs> I just wanted to ask, um, my daughter is just four years old. She's in pre-K in a public school here in Gainesville. Um, but I was wondering if it would be better for her to be uh the Catholic school, I don't know, with everything that's going on in, like, uh, the public schools that they're, like, more, um, I don't know, liberal, maybe? <laughs> well, why would you and, wonder if it, why would you wonder if it would be better for her to be in a Catholic school? Why would you have doubt? Well, it's just that it's obviously not just me. It's just me and my husband. My husband is not like as Catholic as me. He's more on the side of the Christian side. And I was just like looking for some reasons, like big reasons, or at least, I don't know, something I can tell him that sure. or convince him that it would sure, be better sure, to sure, be sure. at a... Well, here's a good one. Ask him if... Uh, he thinks it's important that your little girl hears about God and about Christ. Ask him if he thinks that. He'll say yes, right? Yes, sure. And then you tell him that if she goes to the public school, that's not allowed. Hmm. Talk about anything at the public school, but don't don't talk about Christ and God. That's not allowed. Ask him if it's important that she prays during her school day. If he says yeah. yes, then say, well, you can't do that in a public school. Ask him if he that thinks be... it's important that uh, she doesn't get uh, sexually confused mm. about some of the things that the teachers may bring into the classroom. Ask, her, ask him that. Say, well, you don't have to worry about that quite as much in a Catholic school. When our, our children were... There's some big reasons. Well, <laughs> sure find it, the it, words to... When our children were in a Catholic school. We homeschooled, but the first couple of years they were in a Catholic school. And my motive was, I don't want them gone someplace where God isn't allowed. Sadly, 
Now, I've had teachers argue with me about this. I've had teachers say to me, no, 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 in my classroom, God can enter. Yeah, but not as an official policy. You may try to sneak God in as a teacher in your classroom, but in fact, it is public school official policy. You do not bring in prayer, you do not bring in Jesus Christ, and you do not really even bring in God. And if it were only just ignoring God, we could say, well, all right, they're just kind of ignoring it. But in many public schools, it's anti-God. And that's the reality. I know that now. It wasn't that way 50 years ago when Teresa Tamio was 40. But, sorry about that, Teresa. She's not that old. She's younger than I am, so don't get on me, you people. Every time I say that, I get all kinds of people coming out of the woodwork defending Teresa. I think, she, you know what I think she does? I think she writes her own emails and she puts different names on them. That's what I think she does. But, so that's what I would use, Viviana, to your husband. I'd say, is this important to you? And if he says yes, then you say, well, why would we send her somewhere where it's not important? Thank you so much. You're that welcome, would be honey. really, really helpful. <laughs> good luck to you, dear. Thank you. Thanks. Take good care. Oh, yeah. Do I have time? All right. Kim, you you be patient there for a second. I'll catch you on the other side, but I do want to open it up just a little bit more. We're only about halfway. 877-573-7825. 877-57-EQUAL is the number to call to get onto the program here on The Doctor Is In. It's a co-production. EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network, 400-plus stations all over the place. 500 around the world somewhere. And um, they even allow me on some of them. I don't know. I think I'm on maybe 18 of them or something like that anyway. And I've been asking for more numbers, but... They've been a little reluctant. And also, if my mom were alive, she'd be badger in EWTN, that's for sure. I got, where's this coming from here? Um, it's in April. Covenant Network, what a wonderful network that bunch is over there. Tony, Teresa Holman, Adam Wright. April 16 and 17. Now, there's nothing up for a sign-up yet. But we're bringing the TV show to St. Louis. Uh, 16 and 17 of April. It's a Tuesday and a Wednesday night, and I know they're setting up for sign-ups, which would be great because um, audience of 100 is really is really what you want. It's really what you want if you can get 100 there yet. That just adds to the uh, energy of the program. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to Kim, and I'm going to probably cut her off at the break, but we'll talk some more. Hi, Kim. How are you? Hi, Dr. Ray. Good, thank you. Quick question, I hope. Yes, yes, um, what if, I'm wondering about some tips on dealing with a contentious husband who's argumentative, has to be right, and I typically just withdraw and don't speak. Otherwise, things tend to escalate into an argument on my behalf. So do you have any tips for me or hints to deal with that? What provokes you to argue with him? What's the kind of stuff he says that you have to feel compelled to come back? Well, um, for example, say I misplace something and I can't find it, and a few days go by, I can't find it, and I'll be lectured that, oh, you have to remember where you put things. You've got to put things in the same place every time so you don't forget. You've got to take this vitamin so your brain cells stay healthy. But then if he loses something or can't find something, you know, it's no big deal. It just goes untouched. And I won't, I won't say anything to him because I don't want to create an argument. Um, 
say I ask him if he's put the salt in the water softener yet. A couple days go by, I'll ask him again, and he'll say no. And it's not even on my top ten list to do today. Stuff like that, that I just don't know what to say, or do I just not say anything, which is what I usually do. You think your husband's kind of an insecure guy? He's always got to tell you where you're falling short, and he never acknowledges where he's falling short? Yes, I do, and I, I've i heard you talk about insecurities being a lot of the reason why people will, will behave that way. <clears throat> but yet he acts superior externally to me and to others. Well, you put your Does finger on it. Does everything right, knows everything. Those Kim, you put your finger on it. Out of his mouth. I'm not, I don't know your husband, so I'm not going to say anything about him from here, but I will say this. No. In, in general, when people act superior, even on the tiniest things, that indicates that somehow they got to keep feeding themselves that they are indeed above another person. That's real mm-hmm. common. And it's funny because you say, well, he acts superior externally. Yeah, the two go together. The more you act superior externally, the more likely you are feeling or struggling with inferiority internally. Stay there. I got more to say, Kim. 877-573-7825. Equal. some heavy thinking here, burning some calories, talking to Kim from Omaha, Nebraska. I was just out there with a wonderful bunch out there. Kim, were you in that 25th anniversary banquet? I was not. I was not. (laughs) Don't think we didn't notice. (laughs) Number of people. I knew you were going to ask me this. (laughs) Number of people said, you know who really needs to be here? And I kept saying, Kim, Kim who? And they said, we know. And they they showed me the, the list of all the people who thought you needed to be there. Oh, How long Lord you been married? Way. How long you been married? 27 years. Always Has he always kind of been this way? Yes, and maybe a little bit um, more so now as time has passed, I'd say. Is it still getting to you? Kind of kind of makes me feel a little resentful at times and I just wonder well what am I supposed to say to that or how long do I put up with this that sort of thing well if you're going to say how long do I put up with this the only way to really try to stop it is to get a divorce you don't plan on doing that do you and I don't and I won't do that no although those words have escaped his lips before when he's been being mouthy but I know he doesn't mean it we don't believe in that at all well, you might want to try a few I lines. Contentious, you know. Yeah, well, probably. And and if you're saying that in fact he's got to prove himself right because he just needs that. He needs to know that he's superior in the way he thinks, the way he looks at life, the way he does things than you. Which 
I don't know your husband, but for many people, that's just a way of saying I have self-doubts. So that mm-hmm. could somewhat comfort you if you know he's doing this not to necessarily put you down. That's not his prime motive. His prime motive is to establish putting himself up. So maybe we'll make it easier. Gotcha. But when you said I have resentment, I think you tell me if I'm wrong. But even if you tell me if I'm wrong, I'm not going to acknowledge it. If you say I have resentments, it's kind of springing from the idea that I shouldn't be treated this way. I should have a better spouse. I should have a more understanding, tolerant individual. So all those things enter in, and then you get mad. You get bitter. It's like, I'm getting ripped off. Yes. Mm -hmm. But if you say to yourself, 27 years i got to get to the point where this stuff just kind of rolls off me, and I just look at him. And if you want, <laughs> Yeah, tip on shoulders or something. Yeah. yeah, and if you want to say something, you might say something like, you get a kick out of putting me down. Kind of perplexed, you know, like you don't understand why he's doing this. Does it make you feel, yeah, okay. it make you feel pretty good when you do this kind of thing? Those kinds of questions, you just, <coughs> excuse me, you sort of just look at him. In in puzzlement of I don't I don't really understand why you do this, and then of course he'll immediately justify what he's doing. Well, I do it because, and then he'll tell you what's wrong with you. Or he says, "Stop talking." Well, you, well you're not stop. You're not talking. You just ask. You just ask one question of seven words long. <laughs> okay, okay, you know? I got gotcha. you. I mean, at at some point, you just kind of. You give a dumb look. You say, I don't, I don't get yeah, your okay. point here. Why are you doing this? And I usually avoid looking. So probably that would be a tactic to try then. Yeah. This sounds right. Yeah. You know, it's funny because unless somebody really decides that they want to live as Christ wants them to live, their self-interest takes over. And if I believe that the way I do things, the way I look at things, the way I think other people should act is more important, then I don't really look at, would Christ want me to do that? Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you something. He's very spiritual. He hmm. can recite the Bible and hmm. know where things are in the Bible. Hmm. But that's just it. The Christ-likeness is not reflected many times, more so not. Then, well, then you could even is. you could even you could even hit harder. You could say, "Would Christ want you to talk to me that way?" I could say that line. I've never said that before. Well, look out though. That'll probably inflame things pretty good. But hopefully, yes. you'll be you'll uh-huh. be you'll be planting something. Yeah, it's worth it's worth a shot. It it is worth and. So I thought maybe it was something with me that maybe I'm the one that needs to learn just to deal with it. Like, why are my issues such that I'm so sensitive well, I don't, to you it? Know, why don't I? I don't know, Kim. I mean, you could be obnoxious yeah. to live with. I have no idea. People, you know, it's true. <laughs> I don't think I am. <laughs> well, I don't know because I'm not in your house, and so I, 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 I have to just simply take what you tell me. People do this all the time. They say, well, you know. You should have told Kim's husband to stop doing that. And I'll say, well, one, Kim's husband didn't call me. That's the first thing. Right. And two, I only know what Kim's telling me. And I take it at face value, but I don't know 
if Kim does things to provoke this. I have no idea. I'm not there. So you're Correct. right. Correct. I'm going to I'm going to take what you tell me, and I, and there's probably a pretty good chance that it's pretty accurate. Because your husband's not going to call me and say, hey, help me to not be so scolding to my wife. He, he's not going to do that. Right, right. So. Yeah, okay. All right, Kim. Well, that gives me something to, to chew on and try, and we'll see what happens here. All I'm right. going to just be more direct and, and face head on and look in the eye. Not nasty, not nasty, not challenging, not no, provoking. No, no, I rarely just am. more or less I, kind I of a, people, I don't get why you're doing this. One day. I, d- I don't get why you're doing this. That's the that's the theme. Okay. All right, dear, thanks. Okay, that's the thing. Thank you, Dr. Okay. Ray. Appreciate it. You're Bye welcome. now. Going to get back to those calls in a moment. It seems like I'm always taking breaks. Always taking breaks. And I know the people over at EWTN say, you're taking too many breaks. Hey, it's on the schedule. Negotiate with my attorneys. I get five five breaks. Andrew, how many breaks do we get? Five? Four? Four breaks. Plus, I quit early and I show up late. Tell you what, my work ethic is just amazing. We're going to get to Brian on the other side. Brian, don't go there. This is Dr. Ray. When the need for senior care arises, home is where the heart is. Visiting Angels provides home care for mom or dad up to 24 hours per day, including personal care, meals, and light housework. You may select your professional caregiver with Visiting Angels. More information at visitingangels.com or at 877-374-LIVE. That's 877-374-LIVE. Visiting Angels, America's choice in senior home care. The Heart of the Interior Life with Elizabeth Jangle. St. Ignatius of Loyola offers great hope to those who are experiencing spiritual desolation in the seventh rule of his 14 rules for the discernment of spirits. When one is experiencing spiritual desolation, along with its various agitations and temptations, St. Ignatius teaches, since he can resist with the divine help which always remains with him, though he does not clearly feel it, For the Lord has taken away from him his great fervor, abundant love, and intense grace, leaving him, however, sufficient grace for eternal salvation. The divine help always remains in the darkness of spiritual desolation. Father Timothy Gallagher writes, Since God always provides sufficient grace to withstand the trial of spiritual desolation, persons immersed in such desolation and seeking to resist can know with certitude that they can resist. For more information, visit AveMariaRadio.net. I'm Jack Crisula. Please join us on Tuesday, March 12th at 6.30 p.m. at St. John's Resort in Plymouth for the Rosary, followed by a speech by Andreas Widmer. Andreas, a former Swiss guard under St. John Paul II, is an entrepreneur, professor, business coach, popular speaker, and author. No registration is required. For more information, please email jack.crisula. K-R-A-S-U-L-A at trustinus.com. God bless. A lot of times, a lot of times, a lot of time, I don't know how that exactly phrases out. A lot of time, people will say to me, why don't you Catholics call yourself Christian? Why do you say I'm Catholic? Or some people will say I'm a Catholic Christian. And uh, we have a caller, Brian. He says he doesn't quite understand this. Um, 
when somebody refers to themselves as a Catholic, it's like they're saying that they they're leaving out the fact that they're under the umbrella of Christianity. Hi, Brian. Hi, Doctor Ray. Thank you Thank- for taking my call. Sure, thanks, um, sir. And uh, great job on reaching out to all those folks that have questions. Yeah, I just the last caller, um, a couple callers ago, when she presented the issue of taking her kid to a, a Catholic school, I think it was, then referenced her husband as being, well, he's Christian. I was like, okay, we got to stop right there. Um, I, I'm, it's just not addressed enough, and in the community. Uh, you know, it's just, it's it's becoming so divisive between the term Christian and Catholic that Catholics are getting uh, segregated, and we're becoming known as, oh, well, you're not Christian. Well, the narrative would be, and I'll, I'll make, I'll, I'll let you answer because I don't want to take up too much time. Um, well, if she's talking to her husband, well, as, as both Christians, honey, um, we want to take our kid to a godly, school where they practice the Word of God and so forth. And then, as the first Christians, we practice all the sacraments. We are the Christians that practice all the sacraments. And if I go to a Catholic church, then that's where we practice all the sacraments. Um, So under the umbrella of Catholicism, Catholic, universal church, we're the first Christians that practice all the sacraments. So why do you, a Protestant or non-denominational, why do you not practice all the sacraments? And then secondly, do you know all the sacraments? My question would be, not you, but, you know, baptism, confirmation, Eucharist, penance, reconciliation, anointing of the sick, holy orders, and matrimony. Some they do, some they don't. But um, just I just felt like I wanted to jump into her living room and, <laughs> and counsel both of them and make sure he knows that she's the original Christian and that she practices all the sacraments that Jesus started from the beginning. So why do you not, if you call yourself a Christian? So that, that it just it's not being addressed that much. I know there's a big movement. Catholic Radio does a lot. They do a lot. You address the question spot on. You probably don't have a lot of time to bring up what I'm bringing up. I just appreciate the call, but what's your take on this? Number of levels here, Brian. First level is the Catholic Church recognizes Christians of other traditions are our brothers and sisters in Christ. However, they don't accept what the church teaches through our Lord's authority. They don't. So when you say they don't have the sacraments, their comeback would be, (laughs) those aren't sacraments. That's what their comeback would be. They wouldn't say, yeah, I know we don't have them. No, they they wouldn't buy what you're saying. Secondly, there are subsets in the Protestant world, which is a very broad world, many, 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 many different views within the Protestant world that would say Catholics are not Christians. That they have notions about what Catholic means that would remove them from being Christians. Remember the first time I got accused of that. I was in a very conservative church I went, kind of guys I played ball with, and their pastor said, Ray's not a Christian. And I said, what? What? I wasn't a Christian. Now, probably the majority of non-Catholic Christians would view Catholics as Christian. So when somebody says, I'm Catholic, and they don't say, I'm Christian, what they're trying to say is, I believe what the Catholic Church 
Well, they're not trying to say that, but they should be trying to say, I believe what the Catholic Church teaches and has from the beginning, established by Christ. That's what they're saying. If they say, I'm Christian, the question could become, what kind of Christian? I mean, there's, there's Christian denominations that believe abortion is okay. There are Christian denominations that even believe the same-sex unions are okay. There are Christian denominations that believe you can lose your salvation. There are Christian denominations that believe you can't lose your salvation. There are Christian denominations that say you need to be baptized. There are Christian denominations that say you don't need to be baptized. You know where I'm going with all this. So if someone says, I'm Christian, the logical question is, what kind of Christian? If someone says, I'm Catholic, at least you can say, well, this is the body of beliefs and morals of the Catholic Church, even though that person might not follow them. That's, that's the difference, I think. So I'm much, more, I'm much more likely to say I'm Catholic, simply because Christian is such a broad umbrella that it doesn't really narrow down exactly what I might believe in, uh, except other than I believe Jesus Christ was Lord and Savior of the world, and he is God, and he's a person of the Blessed Trinity, and he came for the world's salvation, and uh, some other things. But short of that, there's disagreement all over the place. Some Christian denominations say you can get divorced. Some say you can't. Some Christian denominations, well, I don't know too many, but there are probably some conservative ones that would say artificial contraception is wrong. Most say it's not. Most would say you don't pray for the dead. Catholic Church says you do pray for the dead. So there's massive differences among the non-Catholic Christian world. And I think one of the ways that people address that is saying Catholic is this set of beliefs. Christian is, well, you better narrow it down on exactly what set of beliefs you have as a Christian. Well said. And, 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 and just to piggyback on that, that's why it opens it up for dialogue. And that's on our part, when we take the name as a Catholic, it's our job to educate our fellow Christians, whether they backslide or have a narrow belief or a poor understanding is to educate them. So well, the first thing to educate them is that they understand exactly what the Catholic Church teaches. Most mm-hmm. of them yeah. don't. Um, no, they don't. It's You should hear the stuff I used to hear. Yeah, and I did too. And I was in the evangelical world. I did too. I've heard all kinds I, of I used to go nonsense. to an evangelical church for a while. And then when I did my research on the Catholic Church and started listening to the Catholic radio, I was like, why did, why did I leave briefly? Oh, no, no, no. And I went back. So now when I talk to other people that say they're Christians, I post questions, and they just look at me in the face like, huh? I say, yeah, so go ahead and answer that. I know my stuff. I listen to you. I listen to Patrick Kaufman. I listen to, um, gosh, I forgot his name. He's always on, he takes theology calls, doctor, something. David Andrews. But, um, it's uh, him, and there's another guy. Gosh, he... He's really I'll tell you, Brian, thank you for the call. i got to run. They're, they're counting me down 10 seconds. Appreciate it, buddy. This is Dr. Ray. Thank you so much for keeping me company. Thanks, Andrew Kuchek, Eric Dumont, and all my friends at EWTN. Jack Williams, I know you're listening. Get a life. Walk with God. Dr. Ray. For information on Dr. Ray's presentations, books, and CDs, visit DRA.com and follow him on Facebook and Instagram. The Doctor is In is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.